Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us for a special episode of The Full Cart. On this special episode, we host Riskified co-founder and CTO Asaf Feldman for a conversation about adaptability. Asaf talks about machine learning, agile development, and how the volatile fraud ecosystem prepared us for this unpredictable reality. For those of you that don't know us, I'm your host, Alon Livne, and this is The Full Cart, Riskified's in-house podcast about the e-commerce landscape. Join us for insights about consumers, merchants, and the fraudsters that come between them. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Asaf. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Anna. Nice to be here. Asaf, can you introduce yourself for us? My name is Asaf Feldman. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Riskified. I'm a 49-year-old, father of two, been in the industry of software, at least, for the last 20 years. Started Riskified seven years ago and brought to fruition everything I learned throughout my career about building systems, using AI and machine learning to solve problems. Okay, so we're gearing up for our annual Merchant Summit, which has gone virtual this year along with everything else. And fittingly, our summit this year is on the theme of adaptability. So as a company that deals with fraud prevention, my first question to you is, what does adaptability mean for Riskified? Riskified technology was built for adaptivity. Uh, a lot of the decisions we made from day one were taken into account the fact that fraud is a very unpredictable problem. And it basically forced us from day one to expect the unexpected. We're mostly planning how to adapt rather than trying to plan years ahead. You want to have a vision, but making a plan, an actual plan, you know, that is detailed, is impairing agility. So there are many facets in Riskify that were built for adaptivity, not just the agile process, but also the core of the system. From the beginning, we started on the cloud, so the whole computing power is adaptable. We chose machine learning because machine learning is a very adaptive way to solve for high variability and unexpected events. Can you expand on that? What makes machine learning the right tool for adaptability? The choice of machine learning is a choice that is rooted in the ability to quickly adapt. Models adapt better than humans, and machine learning takes into consideration a lot of modes of operation and patterns that it learned from different phases, and it's supposed to be doing a good job adapting to new MOs. We also built internally a lot of tools to help us, first of all, understand what is changing, because that's like a hidden problem with fraud. It's not enough to understand that something changed. You really want to understand what changed, and that's not trivial at all. So the ability to analyze what's going on, have transparency into it, and see clearly what is changing is the second thing that we invested a lot of resources in. And then reacting to it and making sure we are addressing the problem really fast within minutes or very few hours, not days. So all that stack is all about adapting to the ever-changing patterns of fraud. And it's a big stack. How is machine learning for fraud prevention different from other applications of machine learning? So it's a very good question. Uh, I think you can 
talk about two aspects of fraud as a very challenging machine learning problem to, to solve. One aspect is the nature of the problem itself, fraud. And the other aspect is the context where you're making the decision about it. So the problem itself, the nature of the problem is challenging because it's fast changing. Fraud, MOs, new patterns are coming up all the time. Also because it's a feedback loop. You're fighting fraudsters. And once they see that your algorithm is blocking something, they change their behavior. So it's inherently a fast changing type of landscape. If you compare it, for example, machine learning that is used for decision support or modeling user behavior, you know, your customer base is rarely changing fast. COVID was an interesting example where things were changing fast, but usually your customer profile is pretty constant. So if you have machine learning working on decision support, that will be pretty steady. That brings us to the other aspect of it where a lot of machine learning these days is used in the backend. It's uh, something that feeds up some kind of decision support or pricing schemes. In fraud, you have to do it in real time. And not only that you're doing it in real time, it has a direct impact on the bottom line of our, our merchants. And the combination of these two things together is explosive, right? It's like a really fast changing landscape where your decision have to be taken super fast and super accurate in a critical path. And this is mainly impacting us in the sense that a lot of hidden tech debts that come with machine learning are heightened. Hidden tech debt? What do you mean by that? So the importance of monitoring, analysis tools to understand what your model is going to do tomorrow, uh, what the new model is like against the old model, configuration, the ability to adjust quickly. All these things that are nice to have in some other machine learning systems are a necessity. You cannot run without them and you have to do them best in class. And these are not things that are off the shelf. So this is a lot of the effort we're putting are on all these blocks that are I call them the hidden tech debt of machine learning. In the tech sector, there's a strong ethos of moving fast. How does that fit into adaptability? Moving fast is super important because you want to make sure that you're always able to react and you're always able to improve in quick cycles. Okay, You want to understand that you're doing the right things. So you need to have a quick feedback loop. It's definitely true when you're an early startup, you want to understand really, really quick that you have a market fit. If you're keeping on sitting and designing a product for a year and a half, by the time you're out, you might be out of the game because you lost your opportunity. So quick cycles enable you to make sure that you take advantage of opportunities in the end of the day. And it's true when you're an early startup and it's also true when you're bigger, although you want a bit more structure when you're growing. So we were super agile when we were young, but we're still very agile now. We make sure that our planning are done on a quarterly basis, that agile process is in the core of our product development. It's not only about quick cycles, but it, it is a lot about it. 
Okay, so I want to take you about six months ago when COVID first became a reality for most people in the Western Hemisphere. How did Riskified as a company react to the pandemic? So Riskified reacted to the pandemic probably as many other companies reacted to the pandemic because beside what we're doing, it affected us as an organization, as a company, how we work, a lot of things that were probably experienced by everybody else. On top of that, there was the whole very direct effect on e-commerce, which was unique to the situation. So when COVID started, it was very volatile because we had different cycles of how COVID impacted consumers and it wasn't consistent across all verticals that we work with. So it was ever changing. Just keeping track of what was going on was not easy. But in the end of the day, Corona ended up proving to us the importance of everything we built. We saw how the models were, to begin with, reacting very well. On top of that, all the tools we had for monitoring and transparency helped us understand exactly what is going on, what industry is affected in what way, what segments, how the population is changing. Like what kind of changes? So with Corona hitting and a lot of people needing to start ordering online when they're used to shop in brick and mortar, you started having very different ratios of population for different industries. It began with electronics, I think, in the early stages where everybody were like buying equipment to work remotely. But then after few months they understood that okay it's not just the headphones and the computer I also might want a chair so all the furniture started going crazy it was really fascinating to see it but the end result on everybody in different stages was a lot of new customers coming in and for each one of these industries new customers mean different things the risk profile is different so adjusting that was kind of ongoing Many times when you have like a crazy influx that is not about some release or some uh, major promo, it might be concerning, you know. But when you have such an influx and you want to take advantage of it, these are lifetime value that if these people have a good experience, they will end up coming again, although they might traditionally have bought in brick and mortar. So it's the time for us to make sure that we are not blocking new revenue from coming in. So the decision was to make very precise adjustments versus uh, more drastic changes? Yeah, because in general, things were functioning as they were supposed to be functioning. And we also recognized really early on that it's going to be volatile. It's going to change in cycles of weeks and in different ways, in different verticals. So making product changes seemed an erratic, unnecessary move. But even model training was not really a smart move. By the time you're in with the new model, you might be chasing your tail, basically, because you're already in a different reality. Can you tell us about a specific adjustment or tweak that you made? One main feedback loop we had, and the one change that we did end up making, is all related to the importance of automation. One thing that COVID really highlighted was the need to automate everything. It was mainly apparent for uh, quite numerous amount of uh, merchants around call centers. So call centers, because of COVID, had 
just operational problems run in because people were having a hard time getting to uh, the call centers or doing the work from home in limited uh, conditions. And at the same time, there was a surge in customers, a surge in shipping problems. So combine all that, a lot of merchants experienced the calling center as a bottleneck. That really echoed one thing that Riskified was basically saying from day one. That whole area of fraud needs to be automated. And we already had products in our roadmap that were trying to automate like second look. So second look is the product that allows your call center as a merchant to request from Riskified a second look into an order because a call just came in from a customer. So the merchant were asking like, can you help us? You're allowing the merchant to try to get the customer themselves to enter the details instead of giving them to a call center person. And Riskified helps in automating that process. If we get more information, we can reassess our decision and allow a customer to complete the purchase, even though with the initial information, it was hard for us to approve it. I know that one of our principles as a company is to enable seamless experiences for customers. So why was it important here to allow some room for friction? What was the trade-off here? Riskified solution is built to maximize approval rate. And we take pride in the fact that with every merchant we pretty much work with, we actually raise the approval rate when we go in. Now, regardless of the fact that we're raising the approval rates, there are always going to be errors. And some of the errors are errors on approvals, and that's when we get the chargebacks, and these are covered. But some of the errors, they're always going to be false declines. We're working really hard on measuring that, understanding how much of that we have, improving that and reducing the amount of false declines we have. But you also want to make sure that if you make a mistake like that and the customer feels that there was a mistake, they're able to try and get their order done. And it's all a data game. So if you give us different data, maybe a different email that has a bit more information about it, things can change and our decision can change because it's all built on data. As a manager, I'm interested to hear from you what it's like to try to be agile and adaptable and socially distant, you know, working from home at the same time. So the pandemic came in just as we were gearing up to do our quarterly planning for Q2. And the nature of development work, we look at it as a collaborative effort of a team, a product manager, a dev team, and a research team all working together to define their goals and plan how they want to go about executing that during the next quarter. And all of a sudden, you're doing that remotely. So engagement and teamwork was very amorphic in this new reality. Like all the agile processes are about putting uh, sticky notes on boards and being very physical about it. So now we need to adapt to the Zoom reality and have a whole team just as a tile of uh, faces on a screen. But it was actually quite effective. We found some interesting places where it was even helpful. For example, managers found it extremely easy to jump between rooms. So something that would be really, really hard in the physical world became really easy. And we also adapted. So then the next queue, we brought in tools that are kind of like virtual sticky notes and things that visualize the dependencies between all the teams together. And uh, in the end of the day, it worked quite nicely. 
So before we wrap this up, I want to ask you personally, as a CTO, what does adaptability mean to you? For me, adaptability is a frame of mind that should exist in every aspect of what you're doing. It is something that needs to be in the process of how you're doing things. It should be in the core of the technology you're using. And it's essential because of what we're doing. We are a tech company. And in general, in every startup I've been in, the ability to adapt is essential for developing your product. It's essential for the technology you're using because you really can predict the future in the end of the day. And if you're adaptable, you can adapt to the new reality. So making big plans up ahead and assuming that you know everything is probably the best way to fail. If what you're saying is, I will learn as I go, there's much more likelihood that you will succeed. And for that, you need to be adaptable. Asaf, thanks so much again for taking the time to talk to us. This conversation has been illuminating. Thank you for your time. It was great. And that wraps up our session with Riskified co-founder and CTO Asaf Feldman. Huge thanks as always to my co-creator Amaral Venkert and to all of you for tuning in. If you want to hear more carefully curated conversations about e-commerce and fraud, check us out by searching for The Full Cart on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on Spotify and all the rest of them. While you're there, don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be the first to know when our next episode comes out.